0: you have to do what you enjoy. So there's always infinite paths to get something done. So if I want more clients, there's infinite paths. You know, there's going to be a few that conventionally within the industry, people say work, you know, people are going to say, okay, if you want more clients, you need to go do this, or you need to do this, or you need to do this. If you want to be known, you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. You know, so there's always going to be the conventional advice. But if there's something that's not a fit, like, well, I don't think I would like doing that, then we remove it. People are completely different in what they're doing in the world, but the rule is still the same. It's if you try to get there by doing stuff that you don't enjoy and that you'll never enjoy, then it's not sustainable. One day you'll burn out. Build a business that works for you instead of you working for the business.
1: Cause you're a queen. Yeah, you're-
0: Hey Glow Friends,
1: you're listening to the Hey Glow Friend podcast with myself, Angelique Velez. This is a podcast with makeup entrepreneurs who want to be seen and supported on their entrepreneurial journey as makeup artists. With 20 years in the makeup industry, becoming the founder and CEO of Breakups to Makeup, I have learned that vulnerable and honest conversations about this industry is much needed. Let us keep you company with whatever you are enjoying doing today while you listen to this episode. Because you don't have to glow alone. All right, you guys, welcome. Welcome, everyone. I'm so excited to have our special guest today. Surprise. This is Amisha Patel. And Amisha is actually a dear friend of mine from back in the day, back (laughs) in our, which is high school days, right? Amisha, not even middle school. We didn't go to the same middle school, did we? I don't think so. I think it was high school. High school. So ironically, and we were really, really close in high school and, you know, graduation and then everyone goes their separate ways, kind of. And then we've been keeping in contact via Facebook. And then I had a moment, as we all do, (laughs) in our journeys. So this was pre-pandemic. This was probably right after I had Braylon, where I was in a place where I was like, F all of this. Like, I don't even want to pursue this anymore. I had already founded Breakups to Makeup. We had already launched in Sephora. I was in a really great spot in my career, but it was just so much. And so I had posted something, like we had been doing contests within the brand to try to get people to, you know, like newer leads, trying to spread the word about the brand. And I just felt like, why am I doing this? Like, no one is responding to me at all. And these were like genuine posts. These weren't things that I had like my VA doing. This was even before I had a VA. I genuinely was like posting like, guys, I need help. And it was like crickets. And I had one of those moments where I was like, fuck this. Sorry, I mean, I'm going to curse. I'm like, fuck this. I don't even want to be doing this anymore. And I did like this rant on Facebook, which if you guys follow me, you know, I rarely ever do these rants, but I was just pissed. Because I was like, no one's supporting me. My closest friends aren't supporting me. My family's not buying. Like, why am I doing this? And Amisha genuinely reached out and she's like, Angelique, I don't know if you know what I do, but I'm a coach. Like all these things. She was running a program. She's like, I really think that you should come with us and be a part of this magical journey. This is what I remember, Amisha. Like You were like (laughs) a unicorn that came in and saved the day for me. And I was suspect. I'm not going to front because this was before I knew about all this personal development stuff. So Amisha came along before I knew anything really about personal development. I'm like, what kind of bullshit is this? But I knew her literally from growing up. And I trusted her because I knew she wasn't going to come at me with some BS. So I was like, all right, Amisha, (laughs) let's explore. And it was an investment. And that was like one of the biggest investments I had made at that time. And I was like, let's do this. And it literally changed everything for me. So Amisha, I have you to thank for that. So thank you. And not only that, Amisha is not only a dear friend of mine, she's been a coach for me. She's been there for me. She literally, if she doesn't see me like posting for a a while, she'll text me like, Angelique, are you okay? Like, how's your world? And usually she's right. Like, no, I'm going through shit, Amisha. Thank you for being so in tune. So I just love you. And I've been wanting to get her into the club for a while so you guys can meet her because, you know, I always bring people that have changed my life so much. And I feel like Amisha's not really on, you're on social, right? But you're not as much on social, I would say. And she just, the nuggets that she delivers and the connections that she has, it's crazy. So that's my introduction for you. I know I was all over the place, but genuinely her and I go way back. She's a dear friend of mine and she's about to blow y'all mind. So honestly, also, she was one of the first that had introduced me to the concept of flow, which is why I wanted to have her come in because she did a lot of studies, a lot of research, which she'll talk about. But that also just changed like the way I approached my business, the way I approached everything. And for those of you that have been in the club for a while who have taken my mastermind program, you know how much I talk about flow. And that's all because of Amisha, like being in that flow seat is like no other. So that's
0: my intro, Amisha. (laughs) So welcome. Thank you. And I love you too. And I'm such a fan. (laughs) All all I know, can I say one
1: more thing before I let (laughs) you talk? So I'm telling you guys this right now when Amisha, like she, she's already big, but when you like make it where we are traveling and I'm your makeup artist exclusively, like, I can't wait for that moment. I get to travel with you and like, do your makeup and prepare you yes, stages and stuff because I'm going to have so much fun with you.
0: <laughs> that would be my dream come true. I know the last thing about makeup and I'm a fan of makeup. I feel like outer beauty is a direct indirect relationship with inner beauty so to me outer beauty is how we practice inner beauty and inner beauty is one of those really special sacred parts of life you know we express ourselves and what does our soul want to look like is why I really value what you do and what everyone like you does and why I admire it and wish I wish I knew more so thank you for what you do
1: you're so welcome thank you (laughs) So the spotlight is yours, Miss Amisha. I would love for you to introduce yourself to the group. Let us know your official title, what it is that you do and all those things. Okay,
0: so Angelique already shared my name. My name is Amisha Patel. She also shared that I am very, very secret and private. You know, I'm, I'm gonna make that leap soon. But for me, I've really been driven by connection. So somebody like Angelique, there's a, part of my heart that belongs to her. There's a part of my heart that belongs to everybody that I serve. And in following Connection, I was able to develop my business. And I know other business owners have had similar experiences where they've trusted their heart and their hearts really led them in the correct direction. So for me, my awareness of business or of growth, whether it's personal or professional, has been more about the things that we do as people to support ourselves and find our power. And that's where flow comes in. So I began as a college professor and I did that for 11 years. And, um, I loved philosophy. That was really my passion. And I noticed that there were themes that kept coming up over and over again in common between different philosophical traditions, between spiritual traditions And then I just started hearing it as wise words. You know, sometimes there'd be an interview from, you know, somebody who's done big things in the world and they would repeat something that's been passed on through the ages. And it felt to me like we should really listen to some of these simple, meaningful directions. And if we do, it could really change our results in life and change how we feel. So that, that was a big motivator for me. It was kind of noticing There were people in my life who had outer success, whether it's like they had the job, they had the beauty, they married the right person, you know, everything looked shiny and great on the outside. And then on the inside, they were suffering. You know, there's a lot of people I knew, especially now I'm, you know, at my age now, people seem to be regularly as a normal thing, not as a unique thing, normal normally people had anxiety or depression you know normally there was something feeling uneasy for them and especially if they were perfect on the outside and then there were people who didn't realize you know that were scrappy on the outside that had taken the lo- road less traveled maybe they didn't have the number of dollars and cents in their bank account as that perfect person you know maybe they didn't have the same status socially as that other person or the same car or the same husband or wife or whatever, but they were actually closer to being happy, much closer to being genuinely happy and much closer to being genuinely fulfilled. So in noticing these two general types of people, that there's people who are doing the work of their heart or somehow following their heart and yet things don't look on the outside perfect. And then people who have things that look perfect, but on the in reality, it's not quite that. And I felt like what we're really born to do is have both. We're supposed to have that security and stability of building our dreams. And that is visible. We don't need anybody's validation, but it is visible. We can see it and other people can see it. And then on the other end, we should also have the capacity to be genuinely, genuinely happy. And so how do we build and feel good? And, you know, and that to me is the challenge of our, of the time we live in. So that's really why I stepped out of academia and where we practice, you know, that's where students come in and they practice, but I felt like applying certain ideas in real life, especially with entrepreneurs, because to me, business owners shape the world you know, consumers help shape the world because what they buy becomes more powerful. But then what they buy is selected amongst the people who are willing to put something out there. And when there's something meaningful, there's a real difference in how everyone experiences life. We really change and we benefit when we're connecting with our values. Absolutely.
1: And I I love how heart-based most of your programs are. A lot of what you talk about is all about that. I would love for you to talk a little bit more about your own specific journey and how you took the leap to leave academia
0: to pursue this. Okay. You know, I rarely talk about this, but for me, it was really personal. I was in academia and on the business end of academia, I noticed that there was a tendency for schools are really devaluing professors. And so, you know, I remember at one point before I became a professor, somebody told me, do you really want to do that? And I said, yes, it'll be fun. (laughs) I love books and I love students. And then um, somebody said, you know, even, even Harvard doesn't give health insurance to their, to a bunch of their professors. And I was like, Well, you know, I thought health insurance was just one of those things you get. You get a job, you get health insurance. And so I truly, I know it's controversial, but I truly believe universities are exploiting professors and most of their staff. And so that didn't resonate well for me. It was like, I want to do this because I love it, but I don't feel good about participating in a system where I'm devalued. And what's that going to do to my self esteem over the years? And it did, you know, it's like, okay, well, if I'm, doing my best and I'm getting underpaid or I'm being undervalued, then it changes my self-perception. So I was a little worried about myself on that end of what would that do for me. But I also had a really, really important relationship in my life. And my partner, the person I was with at the time, he used to love the side of me that was helping and engaged with business owners and entrepreneurs. He had a solar energy company... And his background was he had like a law degree and all the typical, you know, stuff that I don't know that somebody like me would put on a pedestal as more smart than me. And (laughs) I just, um, and he used to say to me, you know, you're the CEO of the future. And he used to involve me in business meetings. He would say, I want you to meet this person. Tell me what you think of this person. He used to involve me in decision-making, you know, what do you think about this? And he, took it so seriously that for a while I kind of laughed it off and I thought it was, you know, like, Oh, he just loves me so much that he wants to do things with me. Um, and then I realized that there is a really strong role for this kind of mindset. You know, I, I'm a poet philosopher. (laughs) I'm not a business person. I don't have an MBA. I have an MFA and, You know, I had like many people have who are different. I had inferiority complex. I didn't feel legitimate that I could help people in business. And then I just kind of decided it appears as though I'm very helpful. People are referring me. I started allowing people to come see me and they were having great results. And then they were referring me. And so within three and a half years, I ended up while I was still teaching, i had over 350 clients just through referrals. And even then I still didn't realize that this is, this is something that's a part of my path, <laughs> but it was, you know, it was afterwards when, when that same relationship, when it was ending and I had that crisis of what am I going to do? You know, because I'm so, my whole world is this person. He had children. My whole world was him and, and these kids for 6 years so I was just like who am I now? You know, what am I going to do? And I knew that I couldn't stay in the same roles. I knew everything needed to change. So I kind of it was a huge leap of faith. It was intuition. It was just me saying I need to go where things feel better because right now I'm suffering. And I at the time had a business partner in LA. At the time I lived in Rhode Island. I was teaching at Providence College, but then I had a business partner in LA who was a trainer for TED Talk speakers. And she was like, come and we'll work together here. And and so I spent a couple of weeks and every good thing was happening. It was like the opposite feeling (laughs) of what was happening back home. So I realized, well, I'm single now, everything's different. And when I go there, I feel possibility and I feel health and ease and happiness. So... Before I had any plan, before I knew things were going to work out, and you know, before there were any good reasons, I made the change. And that change included leaving academia altogether because professor jobs are kind of people trap. People live all over the country to find that one open position in your specialization. This is why people end up in Montana who are in New York their whole lives. Um, Is because there's that one opening in that one university, so when you have it, people hold on to it, and I I knew I had to let go. Thank you so much for sharing, Amisha. So, I'm like,
1: I have so much. First of all, I didn't know that you had a friend that was a TEDx talk speaker. Like, do you know that's on my goal list to be on the TEDx? Wow. Did I ever tell you that? I have a referral for you. I can send Woo. you. The- <laughs> awesome. Okay, so now you're in and guys, I know her very personally. If you didn't like her whole I'm gonna fast forward, but if you have any questions about her story, feel feel free to ask it in the chat. So now you're in LA. And yeah. so those 350 clients that you had, what happened there? So you left this full-time world in academia,
0: moved to LA. Did you take all the clients with you? Like how did that all occur? I had to be really flexible and open because I changed the way I was working. I knew that in order to create more than a part-time income with what I was doing, I had to move away from doing, you know, just when somebody calls me, schedule them, work with them. I knew I had to work in a way that worked better for me. And that meant packaging my services so that for me, there was an ease around transaction. If I'm busy all the time with transaction, I can't do my work. So for me, it was I can't really be focused on that. It's more who can commit because then I'll commit to them and then I'll give them everything I have. And so in changing the way that I was working, the risk was losing a bunch of people. And what I learned through that time, because, you know, that first three and a half years, I had over 350 clients and that was referrals. And that was when I was doing single sessions, you know, and I should also mention, Something I'm known for is being really intuitive. Like people say I can see into their soul and that's not how I experience it. The way I experience it is more as a philosopher that I'm a listener, you know, that I'm really able to listen to people. And then I have that connection that I mentioned from my heart, you know, so that kind of gave people this feeling of, they felt like they already knew me, you know, they would look in my <laughs> they and be like, I already know you it was a huge advantage. I'm not going to lie. Huge, huge, huge advantage. When people felt that it really helped facilitate what's next, whatever was supposed to be next for us. And then even though I had all those people and now I've had over a thousand people, it's really had to be me being open to the possibilities for my company that are right for my company and the willingness to let go of people. Not that I stop loving them, not that I don't want to work with them, but knowing that my changes might create a difference for people who are working with me. And instead of obsessing about, you know, who thinks what about it or who says, you know, no, I'm not going to work with you anymore. The reality is there wasn't really any no's. The reality is people, you know, it was just, here's the new thing I'm doing. This is the way I'm working. And then the way I perceive it is there was a bunch of yeses and people who came on board and we began to work together and we built something new together.
1: I love that you're being so transparent about that because I want to sit with this just a little bit because I know a lot of club members can totally resonate with this. Changing their offerings or increasing their pricing. That's something that we've been talking about a lot in the club and then losing certain clients. But it's okay because you're going to be gaining others and then the new rates that you're charging, you're actually going to be getting more in the end too. So it sounds like you you set those boundaries for yourself with what worked for you. Can you just talk about that part a little bit more? Uh, like-
0: yeah, I, I actually, I've learned that women in general, we're outward focused and we're relationship oriented. So we we tend to take it really personally, or we tend to see see a self-reflection that we're wrong or bad too easily too easily. You know, sometimes it's like when we're really sensitive, somebody can look at us a certain way. So I remember like growing up in Long Island, there were like no other Indian people. (laughs) I didn't know, like, am I ugly? Am I pretty? I don't know what I look like. You know, I'm just being myself. And I remember my parents, friends used to look at me weird or like in my head, right? The perception was they looked at me weird. And it wasn't until I was in my 30s One day, my mom, I was visiting my parents and she had a group of women over and they kept staring at me. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's what Indian people do. They stare at me because there's something weird about me because I made that story. There's something weird about me. And then this woman spoke up and she said to my mom, she was like, I'm sorry, I can't stop looking at your daughter. She looks like a goddess. And I was like, I never considered, ever considered that those looks were positive, not even once. And I know so many women like that and some men who are like that, where they have, they're so self-critical that they never consider that the reaction they're getting either has nothing to do with them at all, or wasn't meant to be bad. And so for me, when that leveling up happens, it's about looking at one's relationship to the world. Like, am I, <laughs> am I taking everything as negative criticism? If I am, I'm not ready to change my pricing or I'm not ready to level up because everything people say, I'm going to hear it as criticism or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to doubt myself. And so it's not really about, is the pricing okay? It's about, am I okay? Because if I'm okay, then I'm not going to see things through that filter of like, baby amisha thinking everybody is looking at her like she's weird <laughs> it's but if we hear you know if we change our pricing and then somebody says that's too much i know so many people who they're not ready yet for that kind of feedback and then they're like oh should i change my pricing am i being greedy you know should i bring it back down what did i do wrong maybe i did something should i change my approach is there something wrong with them are they stingy is that person mean or They're not seeing my value, you know, so we get defensive or we get insecure when we're not ready. And so for that leveling up process, that's actually the most important thing is I'm willing to hear things with a neutral ear. Either it doesn't mean anything to me or I'm willing to hear the good in it but I can't be in that place of either being defensive and thinking the world doesn't want me, you know, Oh, nobody's buying this. So I'm not wanted. I'm not worthy. No, 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 no. If we go into that, we'll basically self-fulfill a prophecy. We will end up having worthiness issues that end up mirroring to us something as if it's a fact when it's not a fact. And so that's the first thing. And then the raising prices, is essential because you know even with um, the economy, we constantly have inflation. So even just logically speaking, we ought to be raising prices, but also logically speaking, as our experience increases, we ought to be raising prices. And then if we care about equality in the world, we ought to be giving more value to these industries that haven't previously been given enough value.
1: Before we proceed, I just want to make sure because I realized I didn't say your title, Amisha. What
0: do you call yourself? I mean, I work primarily with entrepreneurs or public figures. So yeah actors, actresses, people in entertainment, authors, and then entrepreneurs. So business coaching, I I call it transformational coaching. What are labels, right? Like, I can't stand them. And you know that already. So we're the guys, we're
1: the worst already. They already know me. So, and you're a very good friend of mine. So we were like two pieces in a pod, but I can't stand, I can't stand titles anyway. So amisha's super humble y'all like because i my intro failed to mention a lot i feel like but she works with some major celebrities like actors and actresses well actress actresses mostly i feel like but actors too whatever labels right um (laughs) and some big wig entrepreneurs so i'll just say that much but going into what you're saying right now, I would love. Well, first of all, I relate so much with your story about growing up out here in Long Island. I, maybe that's why we were so close and we didn't even realize it. But when I used to look at you, I used to think like she's so gorgeous, like oh, a glowing goddess. Exactly what you're saying. We were on the tennis team. We played tennis together, you guys. But it's you're right because I always felt. And the club knows like my story for the most part, but I always felt like I didn't really fit in. Like people were looking at me weird. Like I always felt that way as
0: well. So I I get you, but it's all that mindset. It is. And it's difference. And sometimes it's specialness. Sometimes it's like we have a gift and then we don't realize it's a gift because we didn't we nobody ever told us that we might have a gift. Right. Right. It's so crazy. Yeah.
1: All right. So going into like your career now, and now you have these clients, you up-leveled and however you want to phrase it. So you're streamlining your clients, your rates have gone up. Her rates are bananas in a great way. I'm so happy for you, Amisha. So getting there and then talking about the, I don't want to title it incorrectly, but your flow studies, it's called the...
0: The Secret of Flow. The, the Secret uh, of Flow. Yeah,
1: the audio workshop. Yes. yes. Can we talk about that a bit? Because oh, literally, okay. so just again, I mean, she's a friend of mine. She reached out to me. like This was years ago. And she's like, you need to join this program. And still, I was skeptical, even her being like a dear. And I'm like, she's like, just listen to this. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Anyways, it, it blew my mind. So I would love to just talk about that again.
0: It was the first time I ever heard about Flow. Of course. Yes. So for me, the flow state, was, when I was researching, You know, even as a professor, the flow state really stood out to me as something we all need today. Everybody needs it because we have so much complexity in this world. We have so much information. We don't know who's right and who's wrong. We have so much opportunity um, to the point that we're paralyzed. Sometimes it feels like there's no opportunity because everyone else has opportunity. <laughs> and so there's just so much... We have so many more people in our lives than ever before. We have so much more awareness of global events than ever before. We're more educated than ever before. And so there's a lot of activity in our brains that actually can hold us back and shut us down. And um, what I learned is that nowadays in psychology, there's something being studied called the flow state, and it's a state of optimal performance and peak experience. And the synonym for it is enjoyment. Enjoyment. So basically, the simple shortcut is enjoyment. When I'm enjoying myself, something magical is happening. And what I saw is that there's description of flow. So there's we know the value and the benefits of it. For instance, it has an anti-aging effect. It makes us up to 100 times more productive in the same time. <laughs> it is a higher uh, success rate. So there's all these positive benefits of the flow experience and people describe it as, it's kind of like being in a place where you're so productive at the same time as you're so engaged and passionate and happy. So an example is if there's somebody who's a great tennis player like Angelique was and hopefully still is, <laughs> and somebody a great tennis player and you put them in a match with somebody who's a very poor tennis player, then they can't have a good game. You can't get into the flow. You can't get into the zone because that person serves the ball. The other person can't receive it. And so it's a boring game. You might win, but that's not optimal. You didn't have enjoyment. So did you succeed? Yes, I won. Great. But what does that do for you? And then on the other hand, if you are outmatched, if there's an opponent way stronger than you, to the point that you can't receive the ball. You can't get into a volley. You can't get into the zone. Again, you can't have enjoyment and you can't get into the flow state. So the idea is we're reaching, but we're not reaching too far. So a lot of times when people set goals for their lives and their companies, they're looking out at something that doesn't feel real to them yet. So they'll say, you know, right now, my company is making... $25,000. I just started and it's part-time and I'm doing my best. And where I want to be is $250,000, but it doesn't feel real yet because even their full-time job, they're getting 50,000. So their their frame of reference is actually 75,000 feels doable and comfortable. And so if I set a goal of 250,000, it's the same as being in there in a tennis match with somebody way stronger than me. And so that means that for all of my effort, I'll probably not have fun. It won't be enjoyable. I won't be able to engage with my passions and it'll feel impossible. I'll just give up at a certain point, won't I? So that tends to happen with goal setting. And then with flow though, right? So the whole goal is if I choose what I love... So I have to love it. That's one of the criteria. It can't be like, I want to lose 30 pounds this month. And the only way to do it is not eat food. You can't do that. There's no, unless you have a passion for fasting or something like that. So we can't choose things that don't make us happy. We can't choose things that we don't connect with. So for instance, if somebody is a musician at heart and they're in med school, they are going to have a hard time getting into the flow state. If they don't have a passion for medicine and they don't have a passion for what they're doing. So that's actually the requirement. And that's the game changer for people who are heart-based or who are doing the work of their heart. And so the way to get there is one, you have to do what you enjoy. So there's always infinite paths to get something done. So if I want more clients, there's infinite paths. You know, there's going to be a few that conventionally within the industry, people say work. You know, people are going to say, okay, if you want more clients, you need to go do this, or you need to do this, or you need to do this. If you want to be known, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. You know, so there's always going to be the conventional advice. But if there's something that's not a fit, like, well, I don't think I would like doing that, then we remove it. So, an example, and I think a radical example is the way I built my business. I really didn't like sales. I really didn't like self promotion. I didn't like being photographed. I didn't like videos. You know, there was nothing calling to me in terms of what is traditionally taught to coaches and how to sell themselves. I was not doing this, and I still grew a business. I've worked with over a thousand people in about ten years or eleven years. So it's not like you have to do things. That you don't want to do, but you do have to love what you're doing. So, for instance, when I work with my clients, I'll kind of notice for them what are the things that are happening when they do connect to what they desire, whether it's not all of them are coaches, you know, so everybody has different stuff. I mean, I've worked with goat farmers, (laughs) you know, I've worked with like one of my clients right now is an expert in artificial intelligence and has given talks at the UN. Like, there's, People are completely different in what they're doing in the world, but the rule is still the same. It's if you try to get there by doing stuff that you don't enjoy and that you'll never enjoy, then it's not sustainable. One day you'll burn out. You know, it takes a lot of motivation and there are days you don't have motivation, whether you have the flu or whether, you know, somebody's mean to you or whether you run out of money or whatever, there's days that motivation is not present. But on those days, if you enjoy something, then you'll still gravitate towards it. It's the difference between if you don't like going to the gym and you force yourself to go to the gym, versus if you do enjoy, you know, something like dancing and you commit to dancing, you're still going to go to that even on a, on a rough day. So um, it's simple. It's very simple. You don't do what you don't want to, you stick to what you do (laughs) and pay attention, pay attention to your own journey. When have good things happened to you? And typically we can repeat that. So I noticed for instance, that for me, I first started my company in Arizona when I was teaching at ASU. And when I was there, um, it wasn't a company, you know, when I was there, it was much more informal. I didn't know I was doing something. I didn't have an intention of a business. But I learned that every time I'd go back and visit, no matter where I was living in the world, I'd gain more clients without trying. So for me, Arizona, you know, that's not a productivity method in a typical sense. And yet, if I was in a place where I want to grow my company, it would make perfect sense for me to visit Arizona. That would make perfect sense, even though it's not something like I'm going to market or I'm going to do social media, or I'm going to, you know, call people and see if they want to work with me. And I've noticed this with my clients, like I kind of try to give them a rule. And usually it's something that is unexpected. I remember one client, she just loved traveling with her family. And so the rule that she had is life is a vacation. And she wasn't allowed to do anything even for her business that didn't feel like a vacation. And that really challenged her because. Actually, I should be honest. She was so cool that it didn't challenge her. That's how willing she was to participate in that. But the growth of her business was exponential. You know, she has grown her business in working with me 10 times where she started and she continues to grow. And what did we use as the foundation? Life is a vacation. We're not going to do stuff (laughs) that you don't want to do. And for her, it was magical because she's the kind of person that when she's in that place of openness, when she's feeling relaxed, she does make ideal connections. Things do work out beautifully for her. And so that works really, really well. That works really, really well for everyone is kind of looking back at your own story, observing as if you're flying overhead instead of being in your own shoes, like watching as if you're watching a movie, what does this character end up doing? And when do things go well for her? When do things go well for him? When do things go well? That's really the the thing to look for what was going on at that time. And so many people recognize that the times that things were opening up for them, uh, there were basic things they were doing for self-care, including exercise and it doesn't have to be that people are exercising. People have had great things happen even when they're unhealthy, but it's just an example that they tend to notice there tend to be similar things going on and it is within their control. They can bring those things back into their life and it will work every time.
1: Oh, I absolutely love that. When I started off in the space of makeup artistry, I had no idea what to expect. I felt like there was no support for people like me, the starving artist, starting off in a seemingly glamorous space. I wish that I had someone back then or a community of people to help me figure out this world. What should I be charging? What are my boundaries around my clients? What are the expectations and realities of this industry? How do I maintain my mental health, my work-life balance, and still bring in the money that I want? This is why myself and so many members of my online community are so grateful that this space now exists. I have created a community for makeup artists just like us. This is a community where we encourage people to get vulnerable and share the real experiences of what it's like to be a makeup artist in this industry, where we talk about prices and what you should be charging. In fact, we are most likely going to tell you you need to raise those rates. It's a support group where there will always be someone available if you need to speak. In fact, we have a 24/7 text messaging app that we use and someone is always there to have your back. We've had members stressed out at a job, go into the bathroom that are crying because they've had something happen to them on set. And literally there are people answering them like that. And they're having that immediate support, which in general is lacking in our industry. You will always feel supported and have a wide network of makeup artists and experts to answer questions or simply listen. In addition to learning more about the rates you should be charging, creating niche offers, working towards expansion and sustainability, as a bonus, as a member of this community, you will also have access to live recordings of this podcast with expert guests. Once the podcast episode is over, we turn off the recording and you have a unique opportunity to ask our guests questions in real time. As a makeup artist, you are a valued entrepreneur, whether you feel like it or not. And we would love to welcome you into this community of makeup artists finding their way as entrepreneurs. If you would like to join us, please go to www.angeliquevelez.com for more information. A link will be posted in the show notes. And remember, you don't have to glow alone. Cassia had asked a question. I think you basically answered it, but she says, what are some things we can ask ourselves to come up with for our
0: role? Ooh, I would definitely ask yourself, what do I love to do that I'm already doing? So looking at yourself as wise, you made choices that brought you to where you are from a wise place, because you are smart, you are intuitive, you are experienced. So trust that person from a year ago or two years ago that made those choices. And then recommit to the ones that you really do love and be willing to be flexible with the things you don't love, even if they're working for you. So for instance, sometimes I have a client who's so successful, but they work night and day. And you know about this, we call it workaholism. Right when people are constantly, constantly, constantly on the go. So it's not easy to let go when you know that ends up being, for them, a limiting factor. Because if they're that packed in time, then they can't receive. Things can't come in for them. And they don't have enough room for mystery. And we need mystery. We need the unknown. We need other people that have answers. We need companionship. We need friendship. We need... Teachers, we need all of this stuff to come in. And if we pack our lives too tightly, then we can't receive. We can't have information. You know, we can't have moments of reflection. And so usually when we trust ourselves, we know that we're wise. We don't give up on what we knew a year ago and two years ago. And we don't let anybody else's advice stop us from knowing what we know. So if it's not right for me, it's okay. Okay. It's not right for me. I trust me most. You should trust you most. Anything that I say, even now, is second to what you know. And only if it feels like your truth, is it your truth? You know, sometimes we speak the truth for one another, and then we take it with us. And that's the most important thing. You are wise. So remembering that, recommitting to those things that you know are true for you, Being flexible to let go of some things that you don't enjoy or that maybe you took on because somebody else told you to take it on or something like that, um, or because everyone else is doing it, being flexible. And that to me is about exploration. That's like, well, let me try something new. If it works, I'll keep it. If I like it, I'll keep it. If I don't, it's okay. And I move on and I try something else. But really, it's what I said about looking backwards as if you're watching the movie of your life. Look at yourself as that main character and look back and say, when are, when are times that things really went well for me? Because it doesn't matter what went well, you were doing certain things that you can reapply and we're actually not compartmentalized in our lives the way that we try to be. We try to see things as separate and distinct, like professional, personal money versus health versus this versus that. But we're just kind of like one big thing. We're like a thing, you know, like we just are this. And if we can trust that either things are open or they're closed, it's simple, either they're open or they're closed. And when, when they're open, it means good things are happening. It means I feel good. I feel open. I feel receptive. And, um, whether it's because it's when I got this great opportunity to go work for somebody, whether it's, I met the love of my life, whether it's, I had a baby, you know, whether it's, I taught myself how to garden, you know, it doesn't matter what went well, because it's the same stuff that you need every time that doesn't change. Whether I want to grow my company or whether I want to be healthier than ever, I need the same stuff. And for me, for instance, and for everybody, you know, I actually encourage you to think about this too self-care. You know, if you think about nature, like how do you grow a tree? You don't have to paint apples red. When you have an apple tree, they naturally have that in them to be luminous and to be delicious and to be red. And we don't have to force that. What we do have to do is make sure the tree is watered, that it has good soil and that there's sunlight. So it needs a few things to be taken care of. And then it naturally thrives. And we're similar. We're also just a piece of nature. So what do we need to thrive? We need sleep. We need, and then we might need other things. But usually the key to flow is that we get rid of stress. That tends to be the key to flow because stress is fear. You know, That's our fear response in the body. That's cortisol active in the body. And we make really bad decisions when we're scared or we're desperate. So, to come up from there into a place of feeling better is so effective and productive and helps so dramatically that, you know, for some of my clients, the recommendation I have is not go do sales, it's go get a massage because then the stress <laughs> comes down and the flow opens. And then, when the flow opens, then it's a natural byproduct that we will thrive, just like a tree thrives because there's rain.
1: So I have to like stop you. Really, I have so much to say. So, you guys, Amisha is the reason why <laughs> I'm like, no, I will go get that massage. Right, we'll go to the chiropractor instead because I see like um a specific chiropractor. She doesn't just crack my back. She gives me a very special treatment. It's amazing. But when she first introduced like this whole concept to me, I was like, what? What? Like you want me to go do? like take a break, like and not work. And then work is going to come like, wait, what? But it's honestly, it's the way it's been. And it's been like this for me now for three years. I feel like I finally, now I'm finally like in it. I'm like, oh no, I get my CEO day. So Mondays for me are all about self-care. Even now Fridays for me have been all about self-care too. And then business just happens. It's like, I don't know how, but the best way I can Related to all of you guys, especially those that are in the club, makeup artists, specifically what happens when we take a vacation, you guys, when <laughs> we decide that we're going to go take a vacation, all them jobs come in, don't they? All those they are like, really? Because we're not thinking about it yeah. and it's coming in. So that was like the best way I was able to relate. Like when you first like introduced this concept to me, I was like, oh yeah, that does make sense. It's still scary to do it, but you have to trust that it's going to happen. And it will. Oh, yeah. Melissa said it. all the jobs come the minute you go on vacation. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. And and I have you to thank Amisha really for, you know, introducing the concept to me in the first place and me kind of getting into the rhythm of it and choosing me over everything else, like no matter what I'm going through, it's my self-care and it's me being okay over everything because you're right. Whenever I try to make a decision out of a place of, I'm going to call a place of lack, a place of stress, place of fear, it never goes right. It never goes right. Or like if I'll book a client or force the client, it's usually the, and makeup artist, you guys can really, it's usually that client that gives us the hardest time throughout the entire process, especially if you're in bridal. Like it's that bride that's just going to give you the biggest headache before their wedding, during the wedding, like the whole time. So <laughs> thank you for introducing the concept.
0: Absolutely, yeah. The simple way to look at it is, am I open or am I closed? right? If I'm open, you know, open feels like I'm safe, open feels like I'm secure, open feels supported, open feels like I'm listening, open feels like I'm comfortable and happy. You know, when I'm open, that's flow. When I'm closed, it feels like I need to fix something, you know, or I need to do something. I'm not enough. You know, I'm messing up that criticism and judgment comes in or that finger pointing and blaming comes in. You're not enough. You didn't do something for me. Oh my gosh. Why aren't you doing everything and reading my mind? You know, and we have that experience also it's two sides of a coin. It's not just, I'm not enough. If I'm not enough, nobody's enough. If I'm enough, everyone is enough. If I'm enough, I can accept everyone. And then that's when we really get the best side of people too. So that's when we get enjoyable work relationships and experiences. That's when the most money comes in. I heard it as build a business that works for you instead of you working for the business. Mm. So as a rule, that's kind of how we build. It's not what do other people need? You know, what do I imagine it needs to look like? But what works for me? If I have a kid, what is it going to look like? You know, if I i sleepy in the mornings and very productive in the evenings. What is it going to look like? I build around me. You should build around you. And then when you do that, there is an exceptional results. Plus, it's sustainable. You'll never stop. Ugh,
1: so many golden nuggets, you guys. Amisha, I want to be very respectful of your time. It is already one o'clock. Can I bother you for two more your yeah. concepts that I want to kind of touch base upon? And then I want to leave a couple of minutes for question and answer. Yeah. Is that OK? Absolutely. OK. So um, I would have I would have lingered here a little longer, guys, because this is a great combo. But I do want to get these other things in because I think they're going to help you so much. So another thing you had taught me, Amisha, is in regards to like funnels within your business. And if you have certain and I hope I'm saying this right, if I'm not, please correct me. But there's certain things that we can pull on within our business if we want income coming in, if we have certain funnels set up and you were one of the first to kind of blow my mind with this concept. And I think it's going to help so many of us in the club. Can you just expand on that and what you mean? And how does that work with the whole funnel pulling?
0: Sure. So yes, I'm a huge fan of thinking about business in terms of a few repeatable. We want to have a few things that are repeatable sources of income so that we're not worried, so that we have no pressure, so that it doesn't feel like we're out of control and we're going to have one good year and one bad year and then we might tank one year. And so this is some of this is inspiration from people like Richard Branson who are our most successful entrepreneurs and you kind of see they get involved in multiple industries. They don't just stay with one lane. They get interested in other things and they, you know, within their means, they create these other funnels or vessels of prosperity and contribution. So on one hand, we're looking at it as money comes in this way. And on the other hand, we're looking at it as this is my contribution to the world. Here's something I can give, whether it's products, whether it's services, whether it's information, whatever it is. And I tend to think that we can successfully hold about three. We can have more. It's like somebody like Angelique, who's a powerhouse, she can have more somebody else. Like me, I'm less of a powerhouse. I'm kind of like a a cat, you know, like kind of I need to curl up and kind of take my time. So for people with more Midas position, I kind of think we can successfully hold three. And that gives us an outlet for a few different passions. It means we don't just have to commit to one thing and keep doing that and then expecting that this is going to flow in perfectly. We can open up what else do we love? What else do we want to add? So for example, uh, one of my clients is a hairstylist and she owns a hair salon, but she also has a product line. And she also has memberships within the salon where it's not just the conventional hairstyling that you come in whenever you want a haircut. There's monthly memberships for clients to come in and Receive extra services that they might not normally think to give themselves, if not for this monthly subscription. And she also is working on a hair extension line. So basically, she allows herself to be open. She allowed herself to be passionate, to get curious. Some of it requires education. You know, some of it means I have to learn what is it to patent something? What is it to get a manufacturer? You know, what does it mean to? do this kind of sales with a product. And so there sometimes can be that kind of learning process, but remember you've learned lots of things before. And it was the stuff you learned before was way harder. Everything you did before this was way harder. When you were younger and going through school, that was way harder learning to be independent and on your own, you know, outside of mom and dad's house, that's much harder. You've done much harder things before, much harder things before than figuring out how to rock it with some part of the business. There's so much information nowadays. You know, it's incredible. People can go to YouTube. You can go to Google. You can, at the tip of your fingers, find valuable information for how to do what you want to do. And then for me, I see it as if there's repeatable income that can come in through each of these funnels, like setting a goal, just like I said When we were talking about flow, something that feels real, something that feels believable, but just out of reach, you know, if I go out and I want to pick that apple from the apple tree, I will have to put in the effort of reaching my arm up or getting on a ladder. And so there's some kind of effort. There needs to be effort. There needs to be that effort. It can't just be, you know, you can't have flow lying on the couch, watching Netflix, it might be enjoyable, but it's not peak performance. That's not where flow really exists. And honestly, that's more like numbing. We're not actually happy when we're doing stuff like that. So this is good for our emotions and it's good for our effectiveness in the world and our results in the world with everything. But basically that effort that we put in, if it's bringing in a certain amount of money through our effort, then we want to create the number goal around it. Say my goal is to make 150,000, then I want to see 50,000, 50,000, 50,000. Is it feasible that at these rates I can imagine 50,000 coming in through this? You know, is it feasible that with these rates and the time I have, I can imagine 50,000 coming through this? And it's not that it's always equal. It's not that all three will give you equal profits, but it's to say that If I can organize myself in a simple way, then I will get the best results, even if it's less than what I originally set out as a goal. And trust me, when you stick with this, though, eventually you blow that goal out of the water. So it might not be something you achieve in year one, but then really you have something with potential, and that potential is that it keeps getting better and it keeps growing. And so the skill is really in creating these funnels and noticing that there's a few different ways that you can open up who you are to the world. You really can also increase your happiness and your profits, but also your stability financially. Like if one of them falls away, because suddenly, you know, Aliens land <laughs> and the world is totally different. And oh my gosh, I can't sell my makeup anymore because we're all turning our skin blue to look like them, <laughs> you know, whatever, like weirdest case scenario, you still have a couple other things that are really working.
1: Thank you so much, Amisha. And the reason why I wanted to bring that up, um, if you guys can relate to this at all, I know even like growing up or not even just going up, like even recently, a lot of times I feel like as creatives, we are... I don't want to say look down upon, but the fact that we're multi-passionate to others can look like a bad thing. Like we have to choose our lane and stick in there. And I'm like, no, that's not the way it is because we do want revenue coming from all different areas, especially if we do have certain goals of achieving like millionaire status. Like I know I do, you know, so you have to have the revenue coming from all different areas. And that's so important. And the fact that we are multi-passionate, we need to really lean into that more. And the fact that like when she kind of changed my mind in regards to like this whole funnel system, it felt okay. I know it sounds so weird, Amisha, but I felt like, okay, so I can lean into all of my (laughs) passions. Like, I'm thinking of you, Rachel, I I see your picture down here, but you also enjoy dog walking and you love it. So why can't you do that, too? You know, yes, you should. And that's why my approach also, like when I guide, I'm different. I'm like, what do you want to do? It doesn't have to be makeup. It doesn't have to be a product based business. Like, what else do you love, too? Because all of it will kind of pour into you as that brand, as that person, as that business. So it's just so important. And just the whole funnel thing blew my mind when you had mentioned it. I agree with you.
0: It all feeds each other. And it's not a negative thing. That's the other thing. No, totally agree. So much. It's actually, it's a sign of life. We are living, we're alive, we're here. And I don't understand people who are not like that. Hmm. Me neither. I don't, <laughs> they don't understand yeah. us, apparently, because they're like,
1: what? <laughs> Choose one thing. We're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I have one more. I know we're going over, Amisha. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, oh, so I know you touched upon it very, very briefly, but I just want to, like, say this again, you guys, as far as, like, social media and stuff. Amisha literally built her business off of genuine organic connection, not on social, not like doing the lives on Insta, none of that. And I commend her so much because I don't know how you I love it. I love that you were able to build your business in such a way. And then within that you also have, I don't know if you consider is it a program, Amisha, an audio, if the Buddha ran Oh the Buddha Hot Marketing, yeah. The Buddha Hot marketing. Can you just give us a brief, like just touch upon it briefly, like what that is all about, how you came up with that concept. Because yeah. it it makes you laugh
0: in <laughs> a good way. I love it. Uh, so I was trying to understand when I look back, how was I able to create my company when I wasn't actively learning about sales or trying to sell? You know, and, and I was really being challenged by. I was trying to learn about marketing. I wanted to be a good marketer. I wanted to learn, or I wanted to learn how to apply marketing. Uh, In a smart way, in my business, you know, the way that I see it is we're all making a contribution. So we have a responsibility. It's so to me, I'm not driven as much by, I want everybody to see me. I want everybody to know me. I'm driven more by, I have a feeling inside of me that the world needs to change and that it's people like me and people like you who are going to change the world just by expressing ourselves and claiming our value. So for that, just for that sense of calling that I had, I really did want to learn about marketing and I really did want to be open and I kept hitting a brick wall. I used to get so upset, like, okay, they're saying, do this, do this, do this. I remember like at one point somebody said to me, well, the, well, consumers don't know what's best for them. So you have to persuade them. And I was like, what? People are smart. what are you talking about? People are intuitive. They're smart. They're wise. They have so much experience and they should choose what they want. I don't want to force somebody, you know, I don't want to make somebody do something and then, then they have a regret. And then what's that relationship? You know, I, I don't like it. So I used to get so challenged by the rules of marketing and, when I look back, what I realized is the thing that was really working for me and really works for so many entrepreneurs and actually for Angelique as well, because I know she's so great with social media, but I don't think that those are the things that are the why of why she's successful. Obviously, she's successful for the million reasons that you and I can both see with her genuine talent and her incredible passion in her skillfulness, her expertise, and she's a genius. So those to me are the reasons somebody like her is successful. And then all that she's done with social media, it's really given her an edge where her opportunities increased, you know? So I love that she can do that. And it's something I aspire to. And what I realized is I look back and the whole idea behind marketing is, We want to have a certain kind of brand and we want that brand to stick out and we want to create value around that brand and we want to create sales. So, you know, we're like profit factories based on marketing. Marketing kind of the whole goal of marketing is increasing profits. That's what marketing is about. Essentially, it's the thing that happens before sales. If I market correctly, then sales happen at a higher rate and then my business profits. And that's sort of the background of why marketing even exists. And what I realized is there are certain brands that are so huge, I would rather learn from those, you know, and kind of look at reflectively, what have they done and why are they special? You know, so I was looking at things like Apple, because when people get an iPhone, they always just keep updating their iPhone and you can't really talk them into an Android. You know, I was thinking of Nike and how like people have this passion for sneakers and i have friends with like sneaker collections you know that have all these nike's and they spend so much money on shoes and then they'll wear them like once you know and i i was just thinking like how do things become precious like that and then i realized okay you know there's certain brands quote unquote that are even older you know like buddhism or like Christianity (laughs) or, you know, or like meditation or like yoga. Like basically there are things that are thousands of years old or hundreds of years old. And we still talk about them. And I was like, well, how did the, I mean, the Buddha didn't mark it. The Buddha sat under a tree and achieved enlightenment. You know? So I really started wondering about this, like well, the Buddha wasn't persuading. He wasn't trying to get people to do what he said. He wasn't trying to make people meditate. He wasn't trying to change people's minds. So he was kind of doing the opposite of marketing. He was building power in who he is, becoming more and more engaged with his path. And the power of that is transformative. So other people were being magnetized to him, And they wanted to be in a similar place. So they were aspiring to him. They wanted to be in a similar place and they kind of ended up choosing and seeking, right? Versus when somebody is marketing and they're saying, you know, it's kind of like chasing. So marketing can be chasing. Like people are like, Hey, come here. Look at this. This is so shiny and come and get some of this. Trust me. You need it. Versus when we have these ancient traditions that stay with us, there wasn't the persuasion. It was more people were seeking something and then they found an answer in something. So I think that's very inspiring. So we can learn from marketing and we can build based on marketing. And to me, the essence of marketing, the way that it works for me is less that we're creating a profit factory and more that we're being seen. So Being seen to me is the more important part of marketing. And so I look at it that way is like, am I putting myself out there? That simplifies marketing for me and makes it much more doable and much more flexible and simple and effective. You know, I can make a contribution if I'm out there. I can't if I'm hidden. But then in the Buddha, if the Buddha taught marketing for me, it was about what about our presence? What about the part of us that doesn't have words, but we're walking our walk, not just talking the talk? What about things like integrity? What about honesty? What about being a good person? What about being generous? What about being gentle? What about being fierce? You know, what about all these other qualities that are part of who we are and speaking non-verbally, you know, like I made a joke earlier that... I'm really lucky that when people would look at my eyes, they would feel like I could see into their soul because I think I, I gained a lot of clients that way. And I made a joke about that. But realistically, what was happening is I'm telling my truth. There isn't a difference between what I'm sharing and what I actually believe and do. And so if you think about how many people in the world don't have integrity, what happens when you do? You stand out. If you think about how many people in the world are manipulating or want to get something from somebody, say you have no agenda. Like I had no agenda. The Buddha sitting under a tree had no agenda. (laughs) When we don't have an agenda like that, that stands out, you know, it's not normal. And so people feel a different connection. And so that's when I think the magnetic quality takes over. And that to me is as important as learning marketing. That was beautiful.
1: Yes. Ah, thank you so much, Amisha. That was such a treat. And honestly, you guys, she changed the way that if you notice probably within the past two years, how I approach like marketing within the brand, it's completely changed because I'm no longer trying to sell. If that makes sense. I'm literally speaking from my heart. Like this is what's worked for me maybe it'll work for you. I'm just going to tell you. And if you take it, you take it. If you don't, you don't. And it changes a lot. It also changes in my head kind of what we were talking about earlier because as entrepreneurs, we get the answer no more than we get yeses. And we're we're fully aware of this. So it's made me stronger when I get the no's too to understand that that client maybe just wasn't meant for me at that point in time or whatever the case is, but I don't take it as personally anymore because I'm coming from a place of, love if that makes sense at all so i'm I'm loving like giving out all this information and, and inviting them to things and if they don't want to come they don't come that's fine too maybe they'll come later but it's changed a lot so i just wanted to touch upon that too because i and i also love the whole the buddha if the buddha did marketing it's just so amazing
0: is there any last minute things that you want to say to the group of misha i'm just such a fan of angelique and i'm such a fan of all of you and i didn't really get to meet you but i want you to know that like I said, for me, the beauty industry is one of the most important industries. This is where we learn inner beauty. Outer beauty is how people learn inner beauty. That is the way we start. And so you're doing huge work in the world, You know, even if you're not in beauty, dog walking, anything, there's something so special about entrepreneurship and people who get involved in it. And I'm just the biggest fan. And thank you for having me. Oh,
1: it was such a pleasure. Though so, Amisha, in the club, because I've like, I haven't even talked to you about this, but certain things that I've been creating for in, inside the club, specifically to makeup artists, I kind of compare like the jobs that we're in to like what our life is looking like. So, for example, if, if you happen to be in a space and you're working with like a lot of celebrities, I like to use celebrities as a comparison, what they do in their lives and then compare us like with them, with their schedules and how they work, because it's very similar to how we are, right? And, it, and sometimes it annoys people because I'm like, well, celebrities do X, Y, and Z, and they don't see themselves in that light yet, but, but y'all will. So one of our first conversations that we had, like in this realm, Amisha and I, she compared me to Oprah, you guys. <laughs> so if you think that I'm getting on you about like celebrities. She literally, and, and it was uncomfortable. I'm not going to lie. Amisha me. she was so uncomfortable. I'm like, how can you even, but then something clicked and I was like, well, why not? Why can't I be? So it's just having that person that's there for you and like seeing you in a way that you don't see yourself. And Amisha, that's you for me, I have to tell you. Mm-hmm. I would have never, ever compared myself to Oprah status. And then with that, it's also like Madam CJ Walker, like that comes up for, uh-huh. it's up for me a lot. And I'm like, I'm getting chills even talking about it. it just takes that one person who sees you in that way. And that's how I see you guys. So thank you, Amisha, for you know, your knowledge pouring on me and then I'm able to pour into others in a way that I would have never imagined. But that's why I'm so, I harp so much on celebrities and their schedule and their sets because that's who we are, guys. That's where we are, like our industry. That's what we do. So thank you, Amisha. Thank you, Angelique. Anything else that you're
0: working on that you want, you need or want support? Oh, that's so sweet. I mean, just if you want to connect, you can just find me on any any of the social medias in case one day I do something, (laughs) which I am going to, I'm going to try. I'm trying. I actually, my goal is to start releasing. I have tons of hours of audios of my coaching and I've hired an audio editor to start making pieces of them and just start releasing them so that there's lots of information out there. And to me, it's the more I share, the more you, the more you thrive. We're kind of in this together. We're a team. And so, as much as I can give, I'd love to. I think my Instagram is Amisha Patel MFA. And uh, I do have the secret of flow available on www.treeoflifesuccess.com. And that same website has the secret of flow under a tab called the Freedom Project. So, you're welcome to download that as well. Thank you so much, Amisha. You're welcome. Thank you. Enjoy the
1: rest of it. Stay safe. She's in Florida, you guys, which is why I said when I said the hurricane's literally (laughs) happening like right behind her. So have a great day. You too. Hey Glow friends. Thank you for listening to this episode, and I hope you found value in it. We would love your help to glow up this community if you are really enjoying the supportive environment. Help us glow this community by giving us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. As a thank you, you will be entered for a chance to win a fabulous Hey Fun Taupe. You can keep up with myself, this podcast, and my business ventures by following me on Instagram at The Technique. I'm so grateful to have you as a listener because I believe when I shine, you shine, we shine together, Glowfriend. Until next time. Bye.